This is Stacy Eldridge. Welcome to Captivated. This world vies for our attention in a thousand different ways. But the most important thing, the preeminent thing, the essential thing, is to give our attention to Jesus. Welcome, friends. I am so glad that you are with me today. Today, I have a special guest joining me, Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. Dr. Sandra is an author, a speaker, a professor, a media resource on the mind-body-spirit connection, and an internal medicine doctor near the Birmingham area in Alabama. She is also the author of numerous books, including the bestseller, Sacred Rest, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy, Restore Your Sanity. It includes life-changing insight on the seven types of rest needed to optimize our productivity, increase our overall happiness, overcome burnout, and live our best life. She writes that staying busy is easy. Staying well-rested, now there's a challenge, and don't we know it. In Sacred Rest, Dr. Sandra combines scientific research with personal stories, spiritual insights, and practical steps to give the weary permission to embrace rest, set boundaries, and seek sanctuary without any guilt, shame, or fear. She addresses the question of, how can you keep your energy, happiness, creativity, and relationships fresh and thriving in the midst of never-ending family demands, career pressures, and the stress of everyday life? Such a great question. Thank you for being with us today, Dr. Sandra. Thanks so much for having me. It's so good. And I get to see your face. Sorry, guys, but we'll post a picture <laughs> of you because it's just delightful to get to see you. I'd like to talk more about your book, Sacred Rest. There's so much that we could talk about together today. You are um, well-versed on so many deep subjects, but let's talk about that. Okay. And can you first tell me about the title? Why do you name it Sacred Rest? Well, I think it's a reminder to myself that rest should have value in my life. Mm. For a very long time, rest was the thing I did if I found some spare time somewhere shoved in a corner and can make space for it, then I'd rest. Or if all the work got done, then I would rest. Well, the work never all got done. I never found time for it. So I spent a lot of years not resting, just mm -hmm. thinking, oh, I love this. I'm doing what God's called me to do. I can just push and push and push until I broke, until I got to the place of burning out mm -hmm. and had to just really learn the value of rest and, and the sacredness of it. Mm, mm, that's so good. And I know that I and my friends listening can completely relate to that. So it's it seems crazy because rest seems like a simple thing, a simple process. And yet so many of us struggle with fatigue and even insomnia. Can you speak a little bit to that? Why, why is that the case? Well, I think too many times when we think about rest, we lump it into the same category as sleep. Right. And, or, or we just think about cessation. We just think about mm. stopping. Mm. So if rest is only sleeping or stopping, we remove really the benefit of rest, which is the restorative processes. 
And that's that's the research that I spend so much time on because for myself as an internal medicine physician, that's what we're taught. If someone's tired, they probably just need more sleep or they have something medically wrong with them. And so when I found myself in that same position and had the resources and, and everything in front of me to be able to check all of these things, make sure I was getting high quality sleep and still was waking up every day exhausted. I knew there was something else. There was something the medical community wasn't tapping into as a reason for fatigue that had nothing to do with you having a thyroid issue or having, you know, poor sleep. And that's what made me start looking at what are the ways that we restore mm. and isn't that restful? And so that's where the seven types of rest came from. That's where that's where I feel many of us find our problem. We are trying to get rest in things that are not restorative for the places where we have a rest deficit. Wow. There is such a difference, isn't there, between rest and restoration? Yes. Absolutely. Coming off of summer, um, that's what we were after. We were after restoration and what we need. So you mentioned seven types of rest. I would love to hear. I would love to hear about what are they and if you could unpack them a little bit. Yeah. So, well, the seven are physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, social, sensory, and creative. Wow. So those are the seven. And so when we look at each one of those, they each really look at how we expend energy. Oh. And so in physical, we have both passive and, and active forms of physical rest, uh, meaning that passive is sleeping and napping. All of us know we need that. But then it's the active forms of physical rest we don't sometimes think about. Those things that improve our body circulation, our flexibility, things like a leisure walk or stretching or making sure even that your computer monitor has your spine in proper alignment or your chair that you're doing work in <laughs> as proper ergonomics as Stacy sits I, up straight. I just sat up posture. differently. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's those things that particularly as an internal medicine physician, that's why people were coming into my medical practice. My body aches and I can't figure out what's wrong with me. And we were finding there were, there were physical things they were doing in their day-to-day -day life that was draining the energy from their physical body wow. that were simple fixes, like moving your computer screen so that it's eye level and your head's not bent down or improperly looking up, which leads to back pain. Or wow. for people who are short, making sure that the chair is actually created for someone of their height. Most chairs are created for someone, especially office desk chairs, someone five, five or taller. So if you're mm. shorter than that and the chair is pushing on the back of your legs, you could be developing varicose veins over time and you're thinking, what's wrong with me? I got this horrible wow. thing wrong. <laughs> and it's simply an er uh, ergonomics of your workstation problem. So just some simple ways of how that restorative process can fit in outside of taking a sabbatical or a vacation, <laughs> all those things that people think about. Wow. Okay. So that... Um I'm hearing is body. That's the physical. And then we have things like mental. Like if you're someone who, let's say you, you're exhausted and you lay down at bed at night and your mind's going through all the things you're, you know, thinking about your to-do list the next day, you're rehashing the conversation or argument. Oh, this is so had. familiar. Yes. 
<laughs> and you're playing the coulda, woulda, shoulda game and what you thought you would have said had you got a second chance. Those are signs of a mental rest deficit. You have what sometimes we affectionately call monkey brain. Your brain is swinging off of all the conversations, all the thoughts, and it's not settling on anything that's quiet. You're not finding any peace. And so a simple way of getting mental rest for someone in that situation might be something like, uh, we call it brain dumping. It's just jotting down those thoughts on something concrete. Because whenever we ruminate on information like that, we're actually training our brain to re keep recalling it. Oh. Rumination is how we study. You study for a spelling test as a kid, you ruminated yes. on it. So yes. when you ruminate on anything, your brain's like, okay, sister, there's a test coming. So I better hold on to this information. And it'll hold on to that information throughout the night, even at the expense of you sleeping. Oh, wow. And so some people can't get high quality sleep because they have a rest deficit in one of these other areas that unless it's corrected, the body, the soul, the spirit, the mind, whatever is out of a, out of alignment, can't get to a place of peace to be able to get high quality sleep. So simply getting up and writing down what it is. Brain dumping. Brain, you call it brain dumping. Yes. You put I, it on something concrete. Yes. Because if you're rummaging it around and ruminating it around in your thoughts, the brain is trying to figure out how to hold on to the information. When you put it on something concrete, like a notepad, a journal, it doesn't have to be fancy. It could be a post-it note, back of an envelope. Yes. But when you jot it down, the brain now says this, I do not have to recall this. It is in a place that is secure, safe, permanent, and I can release it now. That is so simple. That is so helpful. What about emotional? Emotional rest. Emotional rest is the one that I personally had been struggling with and didn't recognize the struggle that I was having with it. And it, emotional rest simply boils down to this is the ability to just be real, raw and authentic about what you're experiencing mm. without having to. I sometimes refer to it as putting makeup on it. So it's easier for other people to to witness and to yeah. digest. And so a lot of us have a high level of professional emotional stress involved in the work that we do simply because we want to maintain a level of professionalism. I'll give an example just from my own work. You know, as a physician, I'm, I'm oftentimes confronted in, in life or death situation. As an oh. internist, I'm in the ER and ICU quite wow. a bit. And so I'm an empath. So I have a tendency to have a very soft heart. Um, my friends will tell you, I will burst into tears at a drop of a dime. Good mm. things, bad things. I'm just that kind of person. Mm -hmm. However, no one at the hospital has ever seen me unleash a tear <laughs> in some of the most absolutely horrific situations you've ever seen because I've been trained and I've trained myself that that is not a setting that that is appropriate right. for me to get emotional rest. Right. However, I have to uh, deal with those emotions because they are a part of me. Mm. Failure to do so becomes toxic. Mm. And that's what was draining me the most. That what was taking me out of passion for my work. That was what was making me feel like, God, how am I going to stay in this profession? Wow. Because I wasn't releasing and healing and restoring in that area. Some people do this. If you're, if you're a flight attendant, we've all seen the flight attendant dealing with someone who's just being a jerk and yes. they keep that smile on their face. Yes. Or if you're someone in ministry and you are, are mentoring someone and it's stirring up your emotions, the professionalism of that requires you to have a level of keeping it together. And I think we have to recognize that that is a stress. 
Hmm. that that causes stress within us that has to have a place to be released. And that's what the emotional rest is. Uh, Emotional rest, I oftentimes pair with social rest uh because social, because both deal with people. Yeah. And social rest is, is evaluating the people in your life and determining who negatively pulls from your social energy and who is positively pouring back into your social energy. Who's life giving? Because the majority of the people in our life are negatively pulling from our social energy. Not that they're negative people. Uh-huh. It's just the dynamics of the relationship. Your congregation, your your kids, your elderly parents, they need things from you. They, yes. they are pulling from your social energy. Now, who are the people in your life who pour back into you? Mm. That's the question that has to be answered. And that's the one where many have to sit back and say, you know what? I don't spend time with that person or those people because the people who are negatively pulling on your social energy will always be more demanding. The people who are actually your life giving and pouring back into you, they give you room to invite them in. I'm I'm having this big reaction right now, just but that's what the science is. That's so well said. Yes, exactly. I want to go back though to um to the emotional, the need for the emotional rest. Mm-hmm. We all know that in all of these. Can you, I know, there's a book. You guys just get the whole book. It's powerful. But how do you begin to address your need to receive emotional rest when you are, are living in a demanding and it's affecting your soul, your emotions, you're being triggered, it's, you're maybe being overwhelmed, and yet you have to hold it together? Then what? How do you receive emotional rest? That's a, that's an amazing question. And it's it's one that I think we have to even start helping people recognize it even in their teens. Mm. I speak to a lot of youth groups um, in the work that I do. And your question made me think of a, a conversation I had with a particular youth group where we were, I was trying to get them to have a moment of emotional rest with each other. Mm. And I remember the young, uh, one of the young women, she looked at me and she goes, I need you to model that. I don't even know how to do that. No one in my world is real. Mm. And that statement has Mm. stuck with me for a long time now because I think that is the thing we have to to evaluate first is where are places, spaces in our life where we feel the we feel the liberty, the freedom, the comfort, the safety of being real. Sometimes that might need to be a structured setting with like a counselor or a therapist or a pastor or someone who has either contracted safety and that they have, you have agreement with them or someone who has earned respect with you where you know that they are a safe space. Mm. And so I think that's the beginning of it. There has to be a feeling of I'm safe here to be real raw, open and authentic. Mm. Because I think some of us have had experiences or have seen experiences where people have been vulnerable and that has come back and, and bit them yes, because right. it wasn't a safe space. So it takes, it takes some level of discernment or, as I mentioned, contractual agreement with yes. therapist or whomever yeah. so that you initially understand that that's a safe space. And for a lot of people, you can begin to have emotional rest, even with your spouses. I find that when I work with like firefighters or policemen or military, these people who have, they have lifestyles that put them in situations where they don't want to bring the toxicity, so to speak, back home. So they don't have emotional rest with anyone because they're afraid that they're going to bring toxicity home. Right. How? 
However, there's a difference between emotional rest and trauma dumping. Uh, emotional rest is not me coming home and kill, telling my husband all the gore and details of the, the accident that happened that I had to deal with the people who came in and giving him all of that, that that would be trauma dumping. He doesn't need to be brought into the scenery with the pictures and all the details mm -hmm. and all of that. Emotional rest is me telling him what that experience did in me. Uh, it would be me saying I felt utterly helpless. When I'm staring, holding the hand of this person, knowing all I'm doing is helping them transition. Uh, That's yeah. more difficult for me to say than for me to describe the scene. Mm -hmm. It would be no different than if someone, if you are someone who has a hard time with criticism, let's yes. say, and at work, someone does some constructive criticism and it gets you all in your feelings. And for the next 10 hours, you're thinking about how you are, you have imposter syndrome and how you don't measure up and how everybody's better than you and how did God put you in this position? Cause it's more than you can bear. And you got all this stuff rolling around in your head when really you just need a moment to sit down with someone you trust and be able to say, I'm feeling less than I'm having a bit of poverty spirit come upon me, orphan spirit. I'm I'm feeling like I am not good enough, that God doesn't love me, that I'm not worthy to say the things that we're afraid to say because we think people would judge us mm -hmm. and having the people in our life who can speak life back into us, who can remind us of what the word of God says, who can remind us of who we are and how great we are and, and our gifts and talents and, and bring all of those things back up when that part of ourselves wants to shrink down and not be real and open. Oh, that's so good. And I'm also here, this takes a bit of maturity to be able to even recognize, well, what am I really feeling in this? To take a step back and not just spiral, but identify it. Now, a person who doesn't have a contractual agreement with someone, and perhaps they don't even have a trusted friend that they can confide in, um, they can pray, absolutely, bring it to God. But I'm just curious, does journaling help? If you don't, I mean, just getting it out. Yeah. So that's, I love, the, I love that question because outside of people, because I, especially in 2020 through 2022, mm -hmm. there is a lot of people who were like, I don't have close friends like that. It really became obvious during that season of life, yeah. kind of who you had to fall back on. And so when we started talking about emotional rest, a big part of that was based around people. However, what we started noticing is there are activities that don't include people in which some people experience a great amount of emotional rest. Oh. One of them is having a creative outlet. Oh. Now, when I talk about creative rest, people think I'm talking about drawing and coloring. That is not what I'm talking about. Ooh, um, we'll get to that later. But you can have a creative outlet that brings you emotional rest. For example, if I give you if I give you a, a blank slate and or, and I just say, you know, paint whatever you want to paint, put whatever you're feeling on the, the board. Um, and you've seen some of these art classes where people throw paint at the thing and they have the red blotch and the black blotch and all this stuff they're throwing at it. That is emotional rest because you are creating something without fear of what someone's going to judge it after you've created. Wow. It's creation without fear. And so some people do this with their poetry. Some artists, some musicians do this. They create music that for them is a release. And, you know, if they're not someone who's necessarily trying to hit a, you know, hit the top 10 or 100 or whatever it is, you're doing it from a place where it is just you authentically sharing your, your emotions. And there is an emotional release with that. 
Now, on the contrary, creative rest is the rest you experience when you appreciate what has already been created. Oh, so it's my putting, goodness. It's putting no pressure on your own creativity. It is simply enjoying what's already been created. So that's when you're looking at the natural creativity of God with the ocean and the mm. mountains and the trees, or you're looking at the creativity of his handyship, uh, which is like artwork from people and musicians and all of that other stuff. So any type of beauty, whether it's man-made or natural, falls into creative rest. Oh, even as you're speaking, I'm wondering if other people are having this experience. I'm imagining uh, just just looking out and seeing the beauty of God's creation. And actually even imagining it, I can feel my body go, oh, yes, there is such a, a tangible reaction to that, the rest I receive. That's beautiful. That is the one of the types of rest that most people have never thought about, mm. but they were already appreciating it, but gave had no name or term to define it. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's good. You know what I'd um, love to have you spend even more time on is what do you mean by spiritual rest? Yeah. Could you unpack that for us? Yeah. Spiritual rest is getting beyond just the the scriptural aspect of relationship with God and to the actual relationship part. So it's more than it's more relationship than religion. Um, for example, because I do teach within my church and I do, I write. And so I'm oftentimes going to the word of God and I'm going to it almost like a textbook, like I'm mining for the gold. I mm. want to know what I need to bring back to the people that I feel God's given me to serve and to, and to, to be with. However, I can't get so focused on the word that I forget the person of the word. Oh. And so spiritual rest kind of redirects us to the person of the word, that relationship. It's those moments where we're not simply praying or in devotional time, but our mouths close, our hearts open. We are receptive to relationship and, the, and a deeper level of intimacy. And I just fear that we've mm. become a generation who loves the word of God, which don't get me wrong. We need to love the word of God. But we we don't appreciate his presence as we we could. And I feel like that is the mm. level of that intimacy or in relationship that really brings some of the most beautiful moments in our spiritual walk. Absolutely. That's that's key. And that there's more available. That's one of the things that I love is that Jesus is after relationship that he wants to be known by us is an incredible thought. And that the more we rest and enjoy his presence, the more his life is infused in yes. us. That is beautiful. That is, Russell, that's what we want. Um, in my own experience, and I know a lot of people think of rest as being, like you said at the beginning, it's reserved for when you're done. It's like the reward at the end of the day. I, I sometimes think like that when I go into bed. I go, yay, here's the reward for the day. And I can think, as others do, that rest is it's the luxury. It's a luxury reserved for the few. Um, what would you say to them and to me that can think like that? Well, I thought like that for a long time. And I must admit, this was I, I, I always tell people this was the one book I... I never thought I'd be writing because rest was not something that I cared anything about. 
But I, in this process, I recall one day coming home from, from work. And I talk about in the beginning of the book, uh, you know, I pick up the kids from daycare, got home from work, put them in front of the TV. And I remember laying out on my four-year floor and I was thinking, God, if, if this is what success is, I want no part of it. My life mm, on the outside mm. looked so perfect. I mean, I had the house, mm. the car, the man, the kids, you know, <laughs> the career, all those mm -hmm. things that I had said I wanted. I checked off all my little life boxes. And I was completely unsatisfied, exhausted, just unfulfilled. And I remember laying on that floor with tears streaming down my face. And I felt like mm -hmm. for the very first time, Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, you have never inquired of me about this. And I thought oh, to myself, wow. I am leading Bible study. Uh, what do you mean? I've never inquired of you about this, but I hadn't. I never asked God, what was your plan for working and resting? I never even thought about that. And during that time, I was taken to a portion of scripture in the very beginning where rest is first introduced in the creation story. And, you know, we all know it. Right. So on the sixth day, mm -hmm. man was created. And it says on the seventh day, God rested. And for the first time, the thought came to me, what was man doing on that seventh day? And I started looking at the scripture and, you know, man wasn't even in the scene till the mid part of the six day animals, then mankind. And so our first full day on the earth was actually that day of rest. And we don't even go into work till the next chapter of the Bible is when it actually oh, talks about goodness. the rest. And when I, yes. when I saw that, it was like all of a sudden I realized I'm in a system, in a culture where we're taught the exact opposite, that we are to work. And if we work enough, then we earn rest. And when I was looking at the biblical structure of it, God's spoken to man, have dominion, multiply, commission them basically. But before the work was ever to be done, they were seated in a full day of rest, of restoration, of being poured into so that they didn't work to earn rest, but they worked from a place of rest. That revelation has changed my life and has been has really put me on a mission to try to help more people get to a place where they are serving the world from their place of rest, but they're not waiting till they get, you know, retire to rest. They're not waiting till they die to rest. They realize that to be the fullest version of who God placed them on the earth to be, they have to do it his way. And his way requires times of rest in preparation for each work that they're sent out to do. Oh, this, oh, just the truth emanating. It's, it's just, yes, this is, this is key. And I think of my Jewish friends who the first day of their week, it's, it's Saturday mm -hmm. and it's a day, a complete rest and restoration then. Yes, absolutely. And I oftentimes refer to the Jewish culture um, when I'm, when I share about this, because when people think of Sabbath, they're thinking, oh, it's a day of doing nothing. They are not doing nothing. They are in creation. They are getting creative rest. They mm. are with their families. They are praying mm. over their family members. They are spending time in mm. meals together. They are doing all of these types of rest. They are not doing nothing. They are restoring in preparation for the work ahead. Oh, that's so good. So as you talk about these things, I am realizing, okay, I need that one. I need that one. I need that one. I need that one. Um, I don't know if some people need a specific one more than another? If How can a person determine what kind of rest they are lacking and what they need? Yes, that was the number one question we got after we started sharing this. So we have a free assessment at restquiz.com. 
And it gives you a score in each of the seven types of rest. It lets you know which one you need to focus on as far as the one with your greatest level of deficit. That's what I normally recommend for people. You're having ebbs and flows of each of these types of rest as you're doing work in life throughout, you know, throughout the year. However, there's usually one or two that you're more prone to be deficient in simply because of the mm. type of work you do or even your personality. And so recognizing mm -hmm. those few that you are more prone to be deficient in and then being really intentional about getting more restorative activities and rest in those areas can automatically make you start feeling like you're more energized. Wow. How can you do it in the middle of a full and busy day? That's the incorporating the rest part because um, I'll give uh. you an example. Like for someone who says that the ocean maybe is their creative rest outlet. You know, when they see the ocean, they just uh -huh. feel that relief. Well, if you're like me and you live in the middle of America with no ocean in sight, all the studies, we do a lot, we share a lot of the research and stuff in the book because I'm a bit of a nerd. But there, I share a study where it talks about they evaluated the response if you looked at the actual ocean versus pictures versus colors of the ocean. And the brain does not differentiate. <gasps> and so put a picture of that same ocean on your lock screen on your phone, paint an accent wall in your home or have a nautical themed accent wall that looks like your favorite beach home spot. You'd be amazed at some of the one time things you can bring in into your elements and into your lifestyle that you don't have to keep thinking about it, but you're integrating it into your life in such a way you're getting these moments of restoration without always having to think about it or having to carve out these big blocks of time. Right. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, when a person incorporates these things, which we want to do, which we need to do, which we're invited to do, to live from a posture of rest, what are some of the fruits of that in a person's life? Yes, when we start really tapping into this idea of rest, there are some things that automatically come out of that. And I talk about this in the second half of the book. I call them the gifts of rest. There are 12 of them. Some of my favorite mm. ones are the gift of boundaries, the gift of communication. You learn how to say yes and no effectively and with grace. Wow. The gift of reflection, wow. where you can reflect back on even things that you may have thought of as mistakes or slip ups, but you can reflect back and grow from them without condemnation on yourself. The gift of freedom, where you have the freedom to express yourself and do so because you know a part of that is, is the emotional rest that you need, that people need to see a level of vulnerability and you have the ability and to have discernment on what are healthy areas and places to do that. So there's so many gifts, but I think those are some of my favorite ones. They sound so good. So good. Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm turning a corner. And, and before we come to a close, you do share a lot of personal stories in your book. And so I'm just wondering, you've just shared some with us. Is there another favorite that helps unpack this for us that you'd be willing to share? Yeah, I guess my favorite is different than probably what most readers say their favorite is. But my favorite would be a story that I share about a, a conference that I was asked to speak at. It's a um, women in medicine and dentistry conference. So it was a conference where I was so excited I was going to get to share with the audience of my peers and they were all Christian. And so I thought this is fantastic. However, all of that 
baggage, I would say, of wanting to show up a certain way and wanting to make sure I had the perfect talk and, you know, that I wowed them. It was my, it was my second time they'd asked me back. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to wow them. And I remember the second my foot hit the stage, I remember immediately feeling Holy Spirit say, yeah, that's a great talk. We're not talking about that. And oh my goodness, <laughs> I never had that experience before. And so I remember standing up there and the only thing that I could think to do was begin to sing the song, Jesus at the center of it all. And I thought, God, I'm, <sighs> I, I don't do this. I'm not a singer. You know, I don't, I don't do this. And it's acapella and there's no music. And these women are surgeons and, you know, they're professionals. They're, they are going to be like, what is happening? And, but that's all I could thing to do. So I started singing this song, Jesus at the center of it all. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching these women one by one, tears start streaming down their face. They <gasps> some laid out on the floor and I'm there and I'm looking at this in amazement. And I talk about it in the book, it was like seeing these beautiful vases all of a sudden come crashing down to the ground, all at the, oh. like the protection and the layers that we wrapped around ourselves just started crashing off. And I recall, and I, I'm, eventually had some kind of talk that I got through, but I remember <laughs> at the end of that, the person who had invited me to speak, what she'd said was, after your talk, I'm going to ask these women to have a time of connecting with each other. And I don't know how that's going to work because they normally don't like sharing about themselves. They're not used to being emotionally vulnerable. And mm -hmm. what God had me do was basically break off my own fears about being vulnerable in front of women to see someone else do it first. And watching uh, the grace of Holy Spirit as he just kind of permeated the room is the only way I know how to describe what happened um, was a miracle. And I remember right after all of that happened, I was going out to lunch with one of my friends and I'm like, girl, I don't know what happened. I got up on that stage and all of a sudden I'm singing. She's like, you were singing? Because <laughs> that shouldn't happen. She's like, you were singing? And behind me was one of the women who was there. And she spoke oh. up and she says, it was a holy moment. Both of us turned around and just stared in awe because that's what it felt mm -hmm. like. And that's what I pray for uh. each and every one of us as we take those moments and stepping into those places where we need rest. There are other people needing the same rest too, but sometimes they need to see someone else go first. And so have the courage to go first in your homes with your families to get the rest that you need. And you'll find that it trickles down throughout your families. I believe there's a generational blessing upon those who bring rest into their environment. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, to close us out, I'm wondering, would you pray for our listeners today? They're all over the world. And I know that every one of them needs this. Yes, it'd be my honor. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, we give you praise for the gift of rest, Lord. And we just ask that, that for each and every listener that is on the line, Lord, we just pray that you will open up our hearts to be able to release some of the stress and the strain and the struggle and the grind that we have grown accustomed to. Help us to get to a place where we honor rest the same way we honor work, that we place value upon it, that we see the sacredness of it, that we come back into alignment with what you have set forth from the very beginning, that we are to be people who work from a place of rest, 
restore within our homes, within our lives, within our bodies, those areas that have become weakened. Strengthen us through your word. Strengthen us through your spirit. Father, we thank you that we have your Holy Spirit to lead and guide us. Help us to see the places where we need more of your presence, those places where we need more of these different types of rest. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mm, amen. Friends, I'm going to put all of Dr. Sandra's contact information in the show notes, but this again is the name of the book we've been talking about today, A Sacred Rest, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy, Restore Your Sanity. And a great place, I think, to begin is to take that rest quiz. We'll put the link in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for being with me and the listeners today. It has been my pleasure. My Thank you so much for having me. Oh, so rich. So bless you today, friends, and God bless you every day. Today, might you know his love more deeply, and may you rest in it. Till next time. Hi, everyone. This is Stacy Burton, the producer of the Captivated Podcast. If you've been a regular listener, you've heard the encouraging teachings offered and the incredible conversations Stacy has had with her guests. So wherever you listen, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. May you be filled with the goodness of his love today, and we look forward to having you join us next time. Thank you.